listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our speaker for the morning. Ellie Hathaway has been attending Faith Church since July 2020, which is when she was um, hired as a youth ministry intern. But you'll be seeing her around the building a lot more now. She's still helping out with the youth, but she's also working here full-time now as an office administrator in addition to the youth ministry responsibilities. She's originally from Goshen, and I'm going to have her answer the question, uh, the icebreaker question as well, because I think she has something she would like to share about that. So Ellie, come on up. Okay, this is my really long-term project. It's a tiny house I've been working on. Yes, please tell us about this. I'm very intrigued. It's a tiny house on wheels. Um, I originally started it to pay for college tuition, but I am way past college now, and I still have not finished it. So how how long have you been working on this project? I don't know. It's like four years now. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I'm very impressed that you have, like, you've done all this, like, totally by yourself. I've had help, okay. but I mean, mostly like the help is like, I'm not strong enough to lift a wall by myself. So having, you know, just some extra. Do you think you'll get it finished? Oh my gosh. If I don't, then it takes up a lot of space too. So at this point, <laughs> it's got to get done. Uh-huh. And Renee wants to live in it. So, oh, so that's awesome. So you already have a buyer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am just super impressed. I mean, that you have made it this far and I have full faith that you're going to finish it someday. So that's awesome. Um, so, okay. We know that you're, you're into building tiny houses, but other than that, um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, who you are? Where, do you, where did you grow up? Tell us about your family. Yeah. Um, I'm from Goshen, Indiana originally. And the last five years I've been at Purdue. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I have family pictures. Here's another picture of tiny house from the front. Um, these are my brothers. I'm the oldest. This was obviously taken a long time ago <laughs> when I looked like a rabbit. This is like my peak. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm the oldest, my youngest brother, Max in the middle, he has microcephaly. So I've basically been a second mom since age five, which has been so fun. I'm like, He's one of my best friends, super protective of him. Um, so yeah, that's them when we were little. And then this is a more recent, I think this is the most recent family photo we have. I love your sweater. Thank you. It's a goat wearing a Christmas hat. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so tell us a little bit about um, your spiritual background. Uh, okay, so this is where it gets a little like, not messy, but weird. We kind of went to church growing up. Um, part, we basically through like, I was like mid elementary when we stopped going. Um, and that was partly when Max came along, he just took so much time and effort, um, that it was just like really a chore to get to church and not have meltdowns and not have like all of that stuff. Um, and then also we just, I don't know, my family stopped going. My view of God at that point was I was pretty indifferent. Like I liked the snacks at church. Sometimes people were kind of fun to hang out with, but I wasn't like, yes, Jesus. Um, And so that was just like, it wasn't like I hated going to church with my other brother, Ben hated church. And it was like forcing him into the car to go. Um, But so, yeah, it was fairly indifferent. Um, 
it wasn't like, yeah, a big come to Jesus moment. I, I think where I started to like, well, I guess another thing to understand where I was with church, I needed to like backtrack where I was too. Um, I have like my identity for the longest time was being independent and self-reliant and a caregiver. And I was like always the mom of my friend group, um, basically second mom to Max. Like, and it was just something I really, that was my identity. Um, and it became partly like, it was out of necessity to like be more independent since Max took up so much of my parents' time. But then it turned into like, this is who I am. So people would be like, let me hold the door open for you. I'm like, don't hold that door, close it. I can open it. And just like, it got to the point where it was just like, I was just being aggressive and realizing like people were trying to get to know me and serve me in those ways. And I was just completely shutting it down because I can do it by myself. Um, and so I think that is kind of like what shaped my view of God was always like, it was a very reactionary view. So if it wasn't something that I felt like, like God wouldn't do that. Therefore I can't like, I don't like him or, um, very much like, okay, God is great, but I can do this. So that was kind of where I was, I guess. Um, I think the big kind of like shift from complete indifference was, so my mom's in a support group for other moms who all have kids with microcephaly. Um, and as far as microcephaly goes, Max is like one of the higher functioning, not like mentally, but he can walk, he can feed himself, um, all that stuff. And most of these kids are like wheelchair bound, I have to have like an assistive device to talk, our feeding tubes. So there was one girl who was closest in age to Max and also closest in like just general ability. Um, and so I've only met like one of these kids, but like growing up, I heard about these kids all the time. Um, and so I like, and again, kids with special needs just have a special place in my heart, super protective. Like, I feel like they're like the most innocent of the innocent. And so, um, yeah. I was hearing the story of the mom had, the girl was eating lunch. The mom walked out. She came back. She heard a thud. She came back um, and her daughter was having a stroke. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, this was the first time hearing this. I was like, and she went into a coma. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is the first time I think I was in sixth grade. And I was like the first time I actually prayed. And I was like, God, like, let her wake up, let her live. Mm -hmm. um, and then she was in a coma for two weeks and died. And so at that point I was like, there can't be a God if he's going to let the most innocent of the innocent just die. And like, she didn't do anything wrong. There's no reason for this. Um, so yeah, I mean, middle school, I would have been a self-proclaimed atheist. Um, and then high school at this point, like I, we, we hadn't been going to church for years. I had no interest in church. I was mad at God. Um, I think the big change too. So my mom grew up in a Mennonite household. Um, and her dad was a professor at a college. And one of their big things is doing like a service trip. So he led a year of students in Costa Rica. So my mom between her seventh and eighth grade year lived in Costa Rica. So that's just a little backstory. But the mission trip that my freshman year of high school was going to Costa Rica. And so my mom was like, you have to go. And I was like, I am not gonna go to church to a place I don't like, I don't believe in any of this um, for the sake of going on a trip. Like that just feels wrong. But again, by God's providence, like I ended up going on this trip. I don't know really how, like, I can't tell you, like all of a sudden I was like, yes, I'm going because I was so against going. Mm -hmm. um, and on this trip, it wasn't like this big life-changing experience. I wasn't like, that's where I met Jesus. I think it was just an over, like 
God was continuously softening my heart and placing people in my life who would challenge me and my pride. Um, and yeah, just trying to like start navigating that. So I got more involved in youth group and church throughout high school. Um, I was baptized the weekend before I went to college. And at that point I was like, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm all in. And I think like to the extent that I was at, I was. Um, but when I got to college, it was like, I was, I was so ready to be out of my house at that point. Like I did not have a good relationship with my family. Um, yeah, we just all lived in the same house. That was like the extent of the relationship. We didn't really communicate. We didn't talk. It wasn't a fun place to be. So I was very ready to get out of my house. Mm -hmm. Um, I was ready to be even more independent because I loved independence and going to college is like the peak of independence. Um, and so going to college, I think um, end of high school, I started really struggling with like depression. And but also because I was so independent, I could not ask for help. And it wasn't I was like, I can fix this. And I'm, I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. I'm a build like I always have been self-reliant. And so at this point, too, it was very much like, yeah, I can take care of this. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, getting to college, I. Yeah, I honestly just kind of went off the deep end. Like I, mental health just absolutely went to trash. Like, and I think it was partly like I had no accountability there. So everyone I had known was back home. Um, and yeah, and academically, like I've always been a good student. I've always liked learning and college and I were just like not compatible. <laughs> um, and so going from like always having good grades and having identity in doing well in school and was just like all of a sudden I couldn't even get up to go to class and it ended up turning into just like some super super self-destructive behavior um one of which was like turned into an eating disorder and that was just out of pure apathy like I did not care if I lived I did not care if I died I didn't know if God was there like it was just like a time I was really 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 wrestling with my faith which I didn't realize I was wrestling with my faith but retrospectively looking back like there was a time we were going to church and every, it was a church that every week they did communion and every week I would just stand there and cry. And like, I couldn't go up and get communion mm -hmm. and just like not realizing like, and yeah, I mean, obviously like if I couldn't go get communion, obviously I was wrestling with my faith, but not connecting the dots with that. You didn't see it then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, ended up, I was supposed to go back that summer to make up a math class because I had gone back and step in math. Um, and I had to stay home and get treatment for my eating disorder because it was getting to the point where like, if I continued on the path, I was not going to make it. Um, and so that was really just like really hard to decide to stay home. And at that point too, like when my parents found out, they're like, you're not allowed to go back to school. I'm like, watch me. Um, <laughs> and you're so used to, you know, having control. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, I mean, I literally was going to go up to school until the day before I was supposed to go. And one of this is a, one of examples of God's providence is like, I don't really know where my parents are spiritually. Um, and so that was something really hard, but I found out my dad had asked my grandma to pray for me mm. about this decision. And then the next day, like I had just felt this overwhelming, like I have to stay home. And so like, he didn't feel comfortable to do that himself, but he reached out and like had my grandma do that. So that was, that's, I don't know, retrospectively it was super, super cool to see. Um, so I ended up, staying home. I moved in with another couple from church. 
that I was really close with just to get out of my house for a while for that summer. Um, so going into my sophomore year, I was like back on track. I felt great. And getting back to college, like, again, it lasted like, I don't know, five weeks was doing great. And then couldn't go to class, couldn't get up, was having panic attacks all the time, like was falling back into poor eating habits. And it was just like, I was just so, so frustrated with myself and where I was at. And um, at this point, too, I'd been involved in a campus ministry, the Navigators on, at Purdue. Um, and we'd actually had a nav night that night, and it was my birthday. And um, not that, it, like, the, the birthday part was just that I was 20, and I was like, I don't have my life together at 20. What am I doing? Which, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> you guys are not going to have your life together at 20. It's fine. No. <laughs> um, and I think that was, like, I just had to leave after, and I just, like, went on a walk, and I was, like, struck with the realization I have been trying to be my own savior this entire time. And like, I have felt like I've had to clean up all of this before I could even go to God with it. Like this was an area like no one knew about everything else I was fine talking about, but this area was completely hidden. Um, and that was like, I would say like when I like gave my life to Christ actually, because I was like, I literally will die if I stay, I mean, spiritually, but physically I will die if I stay on the path I am and try to do this myself because I am not strong enough. I am not, bold enough I have no like um yeah so just realizing like I'm trying to be Jesus and that is not what I need to be doing I need to give this to Jesus um so yeah when I turned 20 is when I met Jesus officially so it's easy to remember the day yeah 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 but that's that's an interesting journey because I think before that point you would have said you were a Christian but it took getting going through that and getting to that kind of low point yeah to really kind of grasp it is is that right yeah yeah so i know through your journey um and you shared a little bit about this already but you have seen god at work in some of the most unexpected ways and you think you've got it figured out god might have some other plans so could you tell us about some of those times yeah so again the whole it's a constant battle to relinquish my control and like desire for knowing what's happening um I think one of the biggest ones was so I was like in and out of college like I would start a semester I drop out partway through the semester the next semester I take off and work and then I'd be like you know what I'm gonna try school again I try it again and maybe make it through a semester if I didn't drop out and so like it was like five years of back and forth and back and forth so a lot of the time I was working a lot of the time I was in semesters but didn't finish I think I finished like three semesters straight through or like total. Okay. Um, and one of those was like, um, okay, backtracking, going to college too. I did a random roommate and she was, she was the one who like brought me back to Jesus. Um, she was like the first person who really showed me like complete Christ-like love and just like tolerated all my questions and like, oh my gosh, some of the things I thought about God were like so off base. And she's just like, okay, like, let's think about that. Like, it was never like, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she was graduating. We lived together all four years and I was like, yes, I can leave Purdue. I'm done. Like, I don't have to stay here for Courtney anymore. I'm like moving on. And as I was sitting in her graduation, I just felt this overwhelming, like, God was like, you need to go back to school. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I just decided, like, I am done. I am so ready to be done. And then it wasn't like, and then as I was sitting there, it's like, you need to go back to school. I was like, okay, God, maybe. 
He's like, no, you need to go back to school in two weeks. And I was like, what? Two so weeks. Yeah. Like so summer I, school. Yeah. So I ended up in two weeks went from, I'm never going back to school. I'm done to going back to college. Um, and again, that one didn't last super long, but I mean, God really, really had me at Purdue for relationships and friendships. Um, yeah. And I mean, I would not, I would have walked away from the faith by now if I had not been at Purdue with those people I was with. Okay. So he kept you there to build your strength or your faith and yeah. to he used the people there at Purdue to help you get to where you are now. Yes. Yes. And classes are what had to tie me there. <laughs> um, okay. This one's a little bit more funny, I guess. So this is another way I saw just God's will and provision. Um, so I really struggled with anxiety and like constant panic attacks and like they would just like immobilize me. And I was going to, up to visit Courtney at one point, she lives in Chicago. So I was driving, I don't know, whatever road you get to Chicago, one of the big ones with toll roads and all that fun stuff. Um, and I don't know if I wasn't paying attention or just was like anxious or whatever, but I pulled up to a toll booth and no one was in the toll station, but you know, like there's just like cars and cars and cars. The car in front of me went and the arm stayed up like an awkwardly long time. I was like, this is weird. I'm not paying, but I guess it's my turn to go. So as I was going through, the arm came down and I just like ripped it off. Oh no. And I, I literally was like, what do I do? And so I just drove away (laughs) because, you know, natural, I just like freaked out. And then I was like, had a panic attack. 80 miles an hour going down the road. I called Courtney's dad. I'm like, I'm going to get arrested. Like, they're going to come get me. They're like, no, you're fine. Like, it's fine. Did you stop? No. Okay. Yeah. You might get arrested, but it's okay. Just keep going, get here. And then we'll figure it out. (laughs) And so after that, like, oh my gosh, I, I hate toll booths to this day, but just like this automatic fear of I'm going to rip through an arm and get arrested. And like, (laughs) did you get arrested? No. Okay. What happened? I ripped the arm off and I left. I don't know. I didn't go back they to the crime They never came scene. back for you. No. Okay. I mean, I'm still a little paranoid that they like screenshotted my license plate. I'm going to end up getting a fine in like 10 years for like a million dollars or something, but. Not um, yet. <laughs> not yet. waiting on that one. Okay. So, so after that, I got through it. I got back home that weekend and then I had to go like an hour away to do some errand. Um, I was already running low on gas, but I was like, it's fine. I'm going to be late. And I'm usually not late. That's not always true. I was late last night. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> um, I'm usually not late. I try to be on time. Um, and so I was going, it's like, okay, it's fine. I have enough gas to get there. I'll get gas as soon as I leave. But one thing about me, I am not directionally gifted at all. I have no idea where I am. I have no idea what roads I'm on. Like, I don't know what way I'm facing, right? I don't know. So I'm super reliant on my maps, on my phone. And my phone was about to die. And I always have a charger in my car. Mm-hmm. And I did not have a charger in my car. Um, so I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to get gas. So I rooted the quickest way to go get gas before my phone died. And I like started going and I wasn't paying attention. And I should have seen it was taking me on a toll road. And I was like, I didn't realize until I was on the toll road. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, God, now you're just laughing at me. Like, this is embarrassing. Like, I'm so mad right now. So like, fine, whatever. I'll do this toll road. Sucks. So I got up, I pulled up. Of course, there's no one in any of the toll booths because there never is when you need something. Of course. I realized I didn't have my wallet. And I was like, okay, fine. My phone's going to die. I'm going to run out of gas. I don't have my wallet. I can't get through this toll. No one's in the toll booths. There's no cars around. So I was like, it's fine. I always have change in my car. Like clean my car, no change. 
So I was sitting stuck at a toll booth, just no, like no one for five minutes on the road at all. I was like, great, no one's here. I'm gonna have to rip through another arm. It's gonna be great. It's like, this is horrible. So I'm sitting there and as I'm sitting there, just like, I don't even know what to do. I'm just like fuming at God. Like, are you kidding me right now? And this car like pulls up behind me. There's like three open other toll booths. And I'm just like trying to wave him by. Like, he's just sitting behind me. I'm like, go around. Like, I'm stuck. You're gonna be here forever. I'm sorry, I suck. And he just kept sitting there. And I was like, okay, so I'm either gonna get killed or this is like God intervening. So I just was like, okay, I don't even know what to do. So I found like a gift card I had had. And I was like, I'll just trade this guy a gift card to hopefully give me like a dollar to get through this toll booth. (laughs) So like, as I was getting out with this gift card, he was already like walking toward my car. He's like, I know you don't have money for a toll. I was like, how do you know that? I mean, I guess I've been sitting here for a while, but, and so he paid my toll and just drove away. And he's like, have a blessed day. And I was like, okay, God, I see you right now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that like, Everything I could have used to provide for myself, I did not have for whatever reason, all at the same time. Um, so that's, I think, one of like the ones where I really see God's humor. <laughs> and thankfully, you didn't have to pull off another Tolbu's arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he saved the arm, too. Yeah. God's amazing, isn't he? That's cool, though, to see how God, it sounds like God perfectly orchestrated that to show you, like, you can't do this. Yeah. You're going to have to rely on me. And even when I was just sitting there, like, I wasn't like, okay, God provide for me. Yeah. Like, thank you. I was like, I am so mad at you right now. Are you ki-? like, and even in my complete like disregard for God in that moment, he was like, it's okay. Yeah. I can, we can, pro-. the only thing I really remember from the guy too, that came up is his license plate said kettle porn. Oh, so if you guys ever meet someone <laughs> whose license plate says kettle porn, please say thank you. Was it Indiana kettle porn or Illinois plates or what? I don't state? even know. Yeah. Okay. It just said, I was like, who has a license plate that says kettle porn? <laughs> that's yeah. I've not, I've never run into him, but that's really <laughs> unforgettable. <laughs> so kind of, you know, walk us through what, what brought you here to faith? You know, you're here on staff now. How, how did that happen? Yeah. So this one's kind of an also very not my will, but God's. Uh-huh. So um, after I finally was like done with college for like the eighth time, I was working um, as a nanny for a family who was Baha'i. So that was like, again, very God placement for being in that place and like really, really challenged in my faith. Like the wife and I became pretty good friends, but constantly like, well, why do you believe this? Well, why does Jesus matter? Well, Jesus was just there. Like he doesn't, and it's like, no, Jesus, like, and having these like crazy conversations about like why I believe what I believe and um, really, really being challenged. But it's also crazy because like right when the pandemic started, so I, it was a little before that, but I moved in with them when the pandemic started. because so I was there to nanny for their baby who was born at 24 weeks. So when she came home, she was on oxygen and a feeding tube um, and they really just needed an extra set of hands and eyes. Um, and so she was so like fragile and immunocompromised that as soon as lockdown happened, like we were in lockdown, like we couldn't even go around the block on a walk. Like oh, it wow. was, we were in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Andrea, at this point, like I was like loving this job. I felt very placed there. And Andrea Preston texted me and was like, Hey, there's this job opening at faith. Like, I think you should apply. And I, I'm pretty sure I texted you back. I was like, thank you so much for thinking of me. Really sweet. No. Like, like, I'm not interested. Like, I like my job now. It's what I, where I feel like I'm supposed to be. And like, as the days after this text happened, I was like, I really just felt God being like, no, you need to apply. I was like, why? I'm good here. Like, this is great. 
Yeah, you've got to um, figure it out. Yeah, I have it figured out. Yeah. Um, and so then I was like, okay, fine, I'll apply. So I applied. Um, I had an interview with Joey at first, and then I had an interview a couple days later. I had an interview with Nathan and Joey. And after that interview, I was I, I closed the computer. And I was like, I am not getting this job. Like, I just butchered that interview. And I was like, and that is okay. Like, I felt like God was like, I just wanted you to apply. That's all. Like, that is what I was asking you to do. And I was like, I'm at peace with not getting this job. And then a couple days later, Nathan calls me and he's like, hey, we're offering you the job. And I was like, what? Like, this was not, no, this, no, this was not supposed to be the plan at all. Like, I did what you asked God. And then I like felt like the answer was supposed to be no. And then now it is. So then I was like really wrestling. I was like, okay, well, give me like a week and I'll let you know what I'm deciding. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, God's provision and just really feeling like, and at this point too, my nanny job, like just really started to go downhill. Like I started also having to watch their other kid. Um, and I was working like 15, 16 hours a day. I was only supposed to be working 30. So like the boundaries, all this, like everything just collapsed at once. And it was also one that like, wasn't really foreseeable collapse. Um, or if it was, I'm just oblivious, probably that. <laughs> Um, and so as this was starting to happen, I just really felt like God was being like, this is where you're supposed to leave. Like, mm -hmm. this is where you need to go. And like, this is where you're supposed to go. So I got an internship here. I've been here. And then, um, also, I mean, the idea was the internship would end of the year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, talking to Nathan and some of the leadership, like it sounded like it was going to end at the year. So again, I was at peace with it. I was like, that's great. Like I've really thankful for this opportunity and then yeah Nathan ended up being like hey like if we could do something like would you want to stay on longer part-time I was like ah me like I don't know I hadn't considered it because I didn't think it was an option mm -hmm. um and it was pretty much just like we can maybe do part-time and do the same thing you're doing and then it evolved into hey we can offer you a full-time position which was again just crazy like completely unexpected God's provision and just like yeah so I guess that's how I'm here at faith the Preston's got me connected <laughs> well I'm so glad you're here and I've worked with you in the senior high and you have been a great addition so I'm, I'm glad that God brought you here even if it's not how you were expecting yeah that's how he seems to work so um you know as you've gone through these challenges and gone on this journey has there been any scripture verses or passages that have really been an encouragement or helped you along the way um, yeah, the biggest one that got me through, like when I was at my lowest low, um, Psalm 116, 5 through 9. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects, protects the simple hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have um, saved me from death. Okay, missed the wording on that one. <laughs> have delivered me from death my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Um, and that one was just like all of, like constant reminder, like God does not want bad things for me. And like every time I try to have control, I'm just like, it's just self-destructive. And what I think is good for me is not good for me. Um, and so like, He is righteous and he will do what needs to be done, but he's also gracious and he's compassionate. Um, and I think the other big one was like, so I can walk in the land of the living. Like for a while, I did not want to live. 
And so that was like a really big, like, wake up, like, no, I really like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and yeah, there's actually, I think a Hillsong song that has that, like they read it in the song. And so like, I had that on, it was like my most played for like three years, mm. just like repeat. And then my other thing was just really like the, not my will, but yours. Like I was not, I was living day to day and it was very much like, okay, I'm, I'm getting up and going to this class. Okay. Now I have to be like, it was not like, okay, today I'm going to be super successful. It was like, everything was a small victory. Um, and so each time it was really like, not my will, but yours. And that was just like my short, like I'd repeat it all the way to class, all the way back from class, all the way to my next thing. And it was just this like continuous. And I think the other verse that really is like second Corinthians is just a great book. But when Paul is like, he gave me a thorn in my side, I pleaded with him to take it away and he didn't. Um, but he said to me, like, my grace is sufficient for you my strengths chosen your weakness. And I think really just like, oh my gosh, like God gave me this thorn for a reason. And I am of the firm belief, like had I not had all of this happen, like he let it happen so I could become dependent mm -hmm. because I would never have gotten to this point if not for all those trials. Um, and so just being really grateful for my weaknesses and willing to boast about them um, to show like, oh my gosh, how big God is. Um, so yeah, that one is also, that's a great one. That, that one has meant a lot to me too. Um, so this, this next and last question for you, I realize after everything you've shared, it might be kind of a question you can't actually answer, but what's next for you and how can we be praying for you? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't really know what's next. And I think at this point I realized like when I try to make my own decisions, as soon as I make a decision that I'm confident in it, God's like, <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. So just, I am trying to lean into like, God, where you need me to be, I will go. Um, and so not that I'm like not planning, because I'm always going to try to plan, <laughs> but also just having the graciousness to accept when he tries to steer me in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like ways to pray, I mean, again, it's just like, it is a daily surrender of my pride. And that is still like, I've made leaps and bounds, but it is still like, I still find myself trying to be self-sufficient and taking on more than I really should. And being like, yeah, I'm dependable. And then I'm not being dependable because I have too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. um, and just really trying to like yield the control I desire. Um, so yeah, just that I can accept God's movement and humility. <laughs> Um, and that, yeah, that continuously my pride gets knocked down in whatever capacity that needs to happen in.